Hello and welcome to A Brother's Creed Podcast, where we talk about motivation, experiences, and exploration. Today we have a great podcast for you. We're going to be talking with a master scuba diver today who has almost 400 dives under his belt. Been to 20 plus countries from Honduras to Hawaii, Dominican Republic to the coast of North Carolina. Lots of cool experiences. I really enjoyed this podcast. Let's go ahead and dive in. I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. Let's do it. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in the pocket. We will not go quietly into the night. They tell me you're a man with true grit. I am the one who knocks. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever! That's how winning is done. Okay, like we said, we are here today with master diver Dwayne Thomas, who just so happens to be our dad. And he's telling us about his lifetime of scuba diving, going to share some experiences with us. And uh, welcome. Yes, it's great to be here. Great to have you. Let's see. So we've got so many questions about it, and I know you've got so many diving experiences, but let's first start about how did you get into diving? What, what did you like about it? Well, in 1985, I graduated from chiropractic school, and I practiced for a number of years as a chiropractor and just really busy all the time at work. And my wife, Sarah, uh, for a birthday present in 1994, gave me scuba diving lessons. I didn't know anything about it, but uh, it looked like it would be fun and a sort of a distraction and stress reliever from work. So to go through this certification, actually, Ethan and I have done this as well. You, you go to a class, and then you take the test, right? Uh, and then you have to have so many of uh, pool hours. Is that right? Or Yeah, you, you, it's a, it's a several-week certification to, to get your open diver uh, or your basic diver uh, certification, uh, your classwork, as well as uh, your your actual dives. I think you have to have about five dives, as well as all your classwork and pass your test for your basically open water. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that allows you to go to a maximum of 60 feet uh, as, a, as a newbie, beginner. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot more courses that, uh, that you take after that to to advance. So how many additional courses have you taken? I know you're a master diver, but I know you take all kinds of certifications. What kind of things are? Well, you go on to, uh, to your advanced open water, which uh, certifies you, you to at least 100 feet. And there's a number of specialties that you take. Uh, there's actually about 20 specialties, but you have to have five or six specialties uh, to, uh, in combination with your advanced class. Uh, specialties such as boat diving, wreck diving, uh, nitrox uh, diving, diving with more uh, more oxygen as compared to uh, uh, the less uh, less oxygen with the nitrox mix, deep diving, photography, navigation, fish ID. There's a lot of different specialties you can take, and I've taken a lot of those. Gotten my advanced uh, diver. And then once you get your advanced diver and have a minimum of 100 dives, then you can uh, start taking other courses like rescue diver. And, uh, and then once you take rescue diver, then you become qualified as a master diver. And I've um, had almost 400 uh, dives in various different 
areas. So like scuba master, does that allow you to train other people as, can you like, at what level can you be a coach to other people, I guess? You get to a certain point in uh, when you're, uh, when you're advancing, when you get to master diver or just before you get to master diver, you can go one of two ways. You can go to master diver or you can go to dive master. Uh, dive master is where you uh, get to to teach other uh, people, and uh, basically, basically, in becoming a dive master, you have to um, be connected with a particular uh, scuba shop, and you're sort of under the tutelage of a couple of other dive masters there, and you do a lot of work with uh, new students and. And trips with new students, and and there's a certain amount of trips and whatnot that you have to do with them. I just decided not to, not to go that way. I wanted to become uh, a master diver. Sometimes I think that when you make your your hobby your work, it's not a good thing. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So you said you've been on almost 400 dives, and we were talking about some of the places that you've been from from North Carolina to Hawaii, um, what has been your favorite dive? What, I know you dive multiple places or multiple times at the different locations that you go, but is there a, any maybe one location or two locations that, that stick out to you most? It's hard to say because all the locations that, that, that I have been to, each, each have different things there that you're looking for and uh, different varieties of, of fish. And, uh, but I, I would say one of the dives that really sticks out in my mind uh, is a dive that uh, we did in Bonaire. And it just so happened to be a night dive. And it was my 100th dive. And uh, me and my, uh, my buddy, we went down uh, in the, um, it was totally dark. And we went down just looking for lobster and had our flashlights and everything. And there was no moon that night. It was a pitch black, uh, dark night. And we realized that there was some bioluminescence in the, in the water. So I motioned to my buddy, let's, let's turn off our lights. And we turned off our lights, and it was amazing. Uh, it was like fireflies all around us. We had no idea what, what this was. It was like being up in the, the Milky Way galaxy, and there was fireflies all around you. And there was later we found out that there was these little tiny creatures called ostracods, and they are small, and they, um, they're a chain called strings of pearls. And they're, they're, they're chained together about the size of a tomato seed. And when they, uh, they bioluminescence, they bioluminescence, bioluminescence in a sequence uh, where they light up uh, in a sequence throughout their, their chain. And it's the males that do that, and they light up into a certain sequence attracting the, uh, the, the females. It was like Christmas lights all around us. And then when we moved our hand and swished it back and forth, the whole area lit up because we were basically breaking apart some of those bioluminescent chains uh, in front of us. It was amazing. Oh, cool. That sounds pretty cool. Night dives, you ever been kind of, that would be kind of, it seems like it would be scary doing a night dive because you're just, 
you only have your flashlight and you can't see anything around you. Have you ever been like, have you ever been nervous or, or kind of scared at, at night being in the water, not knowing what's around you at all? It is different. Uh, one time in Bonaire, we were doing a, uh, a night dive and uh, we were, were swimming along just looking at what was in front of us because you could see probably, you know, 30, 40 feet with a really bright uh, light. And before I realized it, I had a, a six or eight foot tarpon sw- uh, swimming on each side of me. And tarpons are just huge silver uh, fish. And they were hunting by my flashlight. It scared me initially, <laughs> but uh, it was kind of cool because every fish I put my light on, the tarpon nabbed. Did you put your light on your on your on your school buddy? <laughs> no, no. He had a couple tarpons on, around him too. So <laughs> that's funny. Um, what would you say your favorite type of dive is? I mean, you've mentioned a couple uh, where, where you see different things or maybe a, a, a more of a, a nature dive or a creature dive or more where you see a, a wreckage or something like that, maybe night dives, day dives. Because you've been on all kinds of I – mean, you've seen planes in Hawaii. I know like Japanese – have you seen down Japanese planes in Hawaii? You've seen U-boats. You've seen all kinds of freighters and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's it's really hard to, to say what is my favorite – dive because I've done shark dives and they're always exciting when you got 30 or 40 sharks just buzzing around you. And sometimes they're, they're feeding them while the... And yeah, sometimes they're feeding them uh, and, you know, hopefully they don't feed on you. Uh, but you just kneel in the sand and watch those guys feed the sharks. And I mean, they, the sharks come right next to you. You can touch them. Uh, that's exciting. Um, I dove with, with dolphins. Um, I Probably daytime dives are, uh, are are more exciting because you can see more, particularly in an area where you have great visibility, where it's 100 feet uh, visible. But, but nighttime dives are great, too, because there's so many different kinds of things that you see at night as compared to, uh, to during the day. I mean, I can give you examples of all different kinds of dives that I've, that I've done. What was the coolest wreck dive or one of the coolest wreck dives that you think you've done? Have you just been like, wow, this this is incredible, this huge piece of machinery that's just underwater? Oh, wow. Um, there is a there is some dives in uh, in Roatan uh, in Honduras that uh, are huge uh, wreck dives that uh, are really cool. I, I would say the coolest one that I've done recently is in West Palm Beach. There's a um, there's a large ship uh, down there uh, where you go this time of year in uh, in the fall, where you see the large groupers uh, that are five six hundred pound groupers, and uh, you may see a dozen or two dozen of these groupers just hanging out around the the wreck, and you can swim up to these five six hundred pound fish and go all through the the wreck. West Palm Beach is a little different. The, this particular dive, you, you dive on the ship and you can go all through the, uh, through the ship. Uh, a few years ago, I did that particular dive and, and uh, in one of the rooms in the ship, as I came into the room and, and shined my flashlight, there was one of those 500-pound groupers in the room with me. And that was a little scary. Um, but... Uh, uh, this particular ship is exciting because it's a, it's a drift dive 
whereas most dives in West Palm Beach are drift dives. As soon as you get off of the the boat, it uh, uh, the current catches you, and there's about four ships right in a row. You can go from one ship to the next ship to the next ship, and uh, depending upon how much air you uh, you breathe and how much air you have, uh, you might get one ship or two ships or three or however. It's, it's kind of a multiple dive called a corridor. How many tanks do you dive with? I think you – do you ever dive with two tanks? No, just one tank. Uh, typically, uh, your your average tank is 100, um, is, a, is an 80 uh, aluminum tank, but I like to dive with 100. What does that uh, mean, 100 versus it's, 80? It's just a bigger size tank where you can put more uh, more air in it. Uh, you, you dive with 300 pounds or 300 – or 3,000 pounds of air in your your tank um but um you know a hundred tank you can stay down a little bit longer awesome yeah i, I think it's interesting how, how long was well, how long usually do you stay down it depends uh i like to drive dive nitrox uh, which is about 30 percent air as compared to 20 percent air just diving compressed air and it's a safe uh it's a safer way to uh to dive but the amount of time that you spend down depends upon how deep you go. If you go down 100 feet, you're going to probably spend 20 minutes, uh, 25 minutes uh, in the total uh, dive, or maybe 30 minutes in the total dive. But if you dive down to, say, 50 feet, you'll probably spend an hour uh, under the water. Most of the fish that you find uh, are within 50, 60 feet. Most of the deeper dives that I have done is um, uh, is because of wrecks. Have you ever seen any of those creatures from the deep that uh, like goblin fish or any of those or goblin sharks or any of those weird deep creatures that maybe come up a little bit? No. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, think, terrifying. I think those are like hundreds of feet deep. What's the deepest you've ever gone? Uh, about 110 feet, 115 feet. That's the deepest that I've ever ever gone. And yes, I have uh, dove ledges uh, where um, you know you go 110 feet down and you're like on the side of a mountain and you just look down into the blue abyss and it might be 2,000 feet uh, down. It's totally amazing. You, with with diving, it's just like jumping off the edge of a cliff. But you go as you fall as far as you want, as fast uh, as you want, or in as fast as you want. But just don't go too deep because you might not be coming up. I, I think that's uh, really interesting. And one of the things that you'd said before, and I think for for some of the listeners that haven't had those those diving experiences or seeing animals and fish and stuff like that underwater, is you said you, you went into that one room and you shined your your light and there was a big old five hundred pound fish there. Um, and and I think in the experience that I've had with diving, I probably have, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 dives, or maybe a little bit more than that. I have to check the, the, my dive book. But um, I've never really had any negative interaction with, with the fish or anything like that. It's almost like they're kind of curious that you're there, but they, even sharks and things like that, they, they don't even really pay attention to you at all. Have you ever really had any interaction with that or if you kind of felt that same way is they, they're just kind of you're looking at them and they're looking at you and 
I would say generally most uh, most creatures just leave you alone. Uh, you you do need to be careful when you dive to don't touch anything that you don't know exactly what it is, uh, because there's scorpion fish down there, there's stonefish, things that are very poisonous that you can't even see very very good. Uh, so just don't touch anything uh, that you don't know exactly what it is. Yeah, I've had some kind of close encounters with um, with different animals. I stuck my head into a, uh, uh, a hatch of a sunken ship one time, and the moment that I stuck my head in, a green moray eel stuck his head out uh, a few inches from my head, and that was scary. He was Those kids can be mean, can't they? Yes, they, they can be mean. He was about six, eight feet long, and uh, that scared me. Um, sharks, I've done shark dives, I've been around, you know, different kinds of sharks. Most of the sharks that I've been around, though, are Caribbean reef sharks, uh, sand tiger sharks, uh, um, nurse sharks, and those sharks will just, just leave you alone. I've never dove in an area where there's been, uh, um, great whites or great whites or or hammerhead. Well, I did see a hammerhead one time, but great whites and uh, actually tiger sharks are different than sand tiger sharks, uh, or bull sharks. I have seen a bull shark. I saw a tiger shark one time, but that's not generally in an area that, uh, you know, that you, that I've dived. I think they say, uh, bull sharks are some of the most aggressive sharks that are, that are out there, but right. I mean, they're probably rarely seen unless you're diving in a specific area that that they are. Have you ever seen like any whales or orca or anything like that? We did uh, uh, snorkel one time with some um, um, whale sharks, and that is so cool. And the reason why you, we snorkeled with them is they were way out in the uh, way out in the ocean. There was a lot of them, but the way that we that we did it was they we were on a boat, and the boat would have you ready with all your snorkel gear on, and you jump out in front of the the whale shark and you swim with the whale shark uh, for just a minute as he swims by because they're so fast. Um, you, How you, big are they? They are as big as a school bus. They oh, are wow. they are unbelievable, and uh, just so beautiful and so graceful it doesn't look like they're swimming very fast they're just moving so gracefully but you cannot keep up with them uh, as you you can try but you cannot keep up with them so i know you got a story about uh another encounter with a moray eel do you want to share that one when you were doing some line fish hunting? Yeah, I'll share that one with you. And then another uh, kind of a funny story that uh, after that uh, about uh, some uh, sharks that were chasing me. Um, this was down in um, Honduras in uh, Roatan uh, a couple of years ago, or a few years ago. And um, we actually, no, that was, this was down in Guanaja. This was down in Guanaja in Honduras. And I was lionfish hunting. And we uh, had killed several lionfish. I had taken several lionfish. And we were taking them back to, uh, to eat because they are so good to, uh, to eat. I had a container to put the, the lionfish in. You'd stab them, and then you put them in the container because lionfish spines are very poisonous and if they stick you, you it's not a good day. Uh, 
In any case, I had speared this one huge uh, lionfish and a, a moray eel, about six to eight foot long, green one, came out of nowhere and he grabbed the lionfish off of the end of my spear and him and I fought for a couple of seconds until he got it off of the spear and he was gone. Dang. Well, good thing he wasn't after you. <laughs> that was interesting because the, 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 the dive master from the resort uh, was actually filming it, and they now have that on their website. That's cool. <laughs> the, other, the other little short story is I was uh, – this is another place. I, I believe this was in, um, um, in Bonaire. We were scuba diving uh, and uh, getting – lionfish and i had uh, speared a couple of uh, lionfish had se- actually several lionfish in my uh, what we call a zookeeper where you put the lionfish in and i had a cup i was just swimming and i saw to my side there was two sharks one on each side of me and they were following me i guess they were following the scent of the the fish in my uh, in my keeper that were, that were probably bleeding a little bit. They were probably bleeding since they had several holes through them. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and uh, nurse sharks typically are not aggressive. These are the kinds of sharks that uh, sit on the bottom and you see you see them and that's a nurse shark and they, they're like they're sleeping all the time. But these two were, were following me. And uh, when I was about at the end of my dive anyway, so I decided that I was just going to, uh, probably swim toward the the boat but my two buddies were were with me and uh, they decided to go into uh, a cave or a swim swim through so I went with them up to the uh, entrance of the swim through and then I took a sharp turn and went to the boat well, to evade the, the sharks, the two sharks went with them oh. <laughs> inside the swim through, and they were uh, arm in arm with these with these two sharks in a small area. Oh man! Well, they made it out, right? They made it out. <laughs> What's been something that that you've? I know you've found a over the years. You've found a lot of cool things in our water. What have been some of the cool things that you found and brought back up? You know, most places that that you dive, you you can't take anything uh, because you're you're diving diving in protected areas, um, particularly in in countries such as Roatan or uh, Bonaire, or, uh, Belize. Uh, most of those countries, even Cozumel, you're diving in protected areas, and they don't even let you pick up a shell to uh, to bring back. If you're diving off the coast of North Carolina or South Carolina, that's a whole different deal. What about, what about Florida? Um, Florida, you can pretty much take what you you know take what you find too. And I have found little things like knives and weights and you know different things like that 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 weren't any a big deal. I did dive with sunglasses, few, lots of sunglasses, plus, uh, there are a few sunglasses. <laughs> Generally, I left those kinds of things on the bottom, <clears throat> uh, unless I was picking up trash, which I <clears throat> have done that also. But um, diving off the coast of North Carolina and South Carolina, I have done some specific wreck dives where you go down specifically to look for things, and you go down with a crowbar, and you dig in. Uh, 
in the dirt and in the wreck and just to see what you can find. And generally I found pretty much nothing. But I have had friends that have found uh, old muskets or, or cannonballs and uh, just a variety of different kinds of things from the Civil War time and, uh, and even World War II that they have, uh, they have brought up, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. Mostly what I've brought up off the coast of North Carolina and South Carolina is maybe seashells, uh, or I have also found a, a megalodon tooth, which is that's that's pretty cool to find a couple million year old megalodon. I'd say, what's a megalodon? Megalodon is kind of a dinosaur shark, a huge uh, shark, uh, bigger than the dinosaurs uh, were. Uh, in fact, the biggest living creature ever to uh, to be upon the earth, uh, megalodon. And the uh, the teeth that you find are typically black, and and uh, but they're pretty cool. Uh, there's a place in North Carolina where you can dive in an ancient river uh, that uh, that you can just pull lots of megalodon teeth. And I've had friends that have done that. I have tried to do that dive about three or four times, but uh, seems like it keeps getting canceled. But I have uh, I did find one megalodon tooth on a on a dive uh, after a hurricane had uncovered a lot of shells and other things in, in an area. I remember you told me once there's there's two places to look for megalodon teeth. One is that underground river that's like 50 miles off the coast of what, Myrtle Beach, right. South Carolina. And the other place is in the Cooper River, right? Right. Well, I was raised in South Carolina, and I know the Cooper River. And the Cooper River is black as soot. And you could not see a flashlight on if it was turned on in the water. And the way that they do that is you go down into the uh, river by yourself. You, you don't have a, uh, a buddy like you do on most dives because you can't see them anyway. Uh, you drop down into the, the river and then you anchor yourself with some type of spike in the bottom of the river because there is current. And you sit down in the in the river and you feel around with your hands to um, to see if you can find anything. Since I was raised in South Carolina, I know what's in that Cooper River, and there's alligators in there and all kinds of things, catfish bigger than I am, and uh, uh, I'm not doing that dive. This is a sitting duck dive. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to do dives where I can see what's coming. But yet you go on night dives, so <laughs> you, have, you have a buddy with you. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of that, um, obviously, you know, we've talked about a lot of different experiences, and maybe could you share with us some characteristics of what a, a good diver is and does, and then maybe some things that you people you've been around maybe that have not practiced some of those good characteristics and something that, that possibly happened that, that could have been avoided. I would say a, a good diver is a is a diver is a person that that keeps a cool head. Uh, there's a lot of things that can happen when you when you dive. Uh, it is inherently dangerous because we don't breathe water and have gills. Uh, but you need to have a a cool head and common sense. Uh, you need to uh, have present time consciousness as you are diving. I think. Um, a lot of times the, the accidents that you see happen are because people are so busy um, hunting or finding megalodon teeth or 
enjoying their surroundings, that they just don't pay attention to their gauges, how much air they have left, uh, what they're doing. Uh, they, uh, you, uh, you have to pay attention. You don't want to overexert uh, yourself. Uh, you like fighting against the current. Uh, you don't want to get uh, excited. Um, you just kind of dive and do it slowly and en enjoy it. Uh, br uh, breathe easy and and uh, and keep breathing. Um, and I, I think that a good diver uh, inspects his equipment and knows his equipment before he goes into the water rather than just kind of uh, getting familiar with the equipment once he's down in the in the water. You got to know what you're what what you're doing and what you're diving with. It's like a skydiver, you know once you're the time to inspect your equipment is before you jump, <laughs> before you go underwater and you're like, oh, that tube has a hole in it. Now I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> Have bad. you ever been underwater where you've had any kind of malfunction or, or been in, I know you've sometimes gone with parties of people like, you know, cause sometimes when you're on a boat with other people and they're scuba diving. Have you ever seen, have you ever had any accidents or mishaps uh, yourself? And then have you ever seen anybody else that's, that's had done that? I think the longer you scuba dive, you're always going to have uh, a chance to have an accident or an incident and you have to um, handle it the best way you you can uh, there was um, some some of those incidents will be your fault and some of them will not be uh, your fault that's one of the reasons why you uh, you have a buddy and hopefully your buddy it, it's better to know him and to um, be familiar with him and him with you so that, you know, you watch each other. You don't just go wandering off or you don't know where each other's at. Uh, so, I mean, you have to take precautions. Uh, one incident that I have was when I was a fairly new diver. I've uh, been diving probably for three to four years, maybe had uh, uh, 50, 60 dives uh, under my belt. And I went to Bimini uh, on a, a boat uh, trip where it was a week-long uh, dive, uh, what's dive what's boat. Bim Where's Bimini? Bimini is in the Bahamas. Oh, okay. Uh, it's in the Bahamas. And so excited to, to go. I had all my equipment uh, serviced and checked uh, before I, I went. And um, got on the boat. And the very first dive that we did... Well, part of the thing, too, is I didn't know anybody on the boat, and they just paired us up. Uh, the guy that, um, that I was with, I'd never met him before, and they just paired us up, and I dove in the, the water, jumped in the water. You, didn't, you don't dive. Uh, uh, you jump in the water, and uh, I went down about 60 to 70 feet, and one of the hoses blew off the back of my tank. Now, you've got 3,000 pounds of pressure in your tank. And when a hose, which was an octopus hose, uh, typically there's three uh, hoses. One goes to your BC, your buoyancy control device. Uh, one goes is your regulator that goes to your mouth. And then you have another regulator, which is for a buddy if they need it. It's called an octopus. And the octopus hose blew off the uh, blew off the regulator, and which was strange because I had just had the the thing serviced, and they were 
you know, I assume that they tightened everything like they're supposed to, but, you know, sometimes things can jiggle loose in, uh, in an airplane or their luggage or whatever. But I was down about 65 feet or so, and the thing blew off. And it was just like an explosion under water. And I was totally encircled in bubbles. I couldn't see anything uh, beyond a foot because it was bubbles everywhere. The only thing that I could see is I immediately uh, looked at my air gauge. I started at 3,000 pounds. I was down 60 feet, and I could see my air gauge going down very quickly. Uh, now, normally, in a situation like this, your buddy would come up to you and uh, give you his extra uh, octopus so that you could breathe out of uh, his tank. Um, but I never saw my buddy. In fact, he told me later it was amazing. I was just watching uh, all the bubbles. Uh, he did not come to my rescue. I don't even remember the guy's name. Uh, in any case, I was, uh, I was there and I was watching my gauge and I just I didn't want to just rush back to the top because I was at 60 feet. Um, so I just watched my gauge and I slowly just came to the top. And then when I got to the top of the water, which was probably 30 seconds, um, then I had zero air in my tank. Now, I was very lucky for that to happen at the beginning of my dive. If that had happened halfway through my dive or at the end of my dive, uh, considering the buddy that I had, I probably would not be here talking about this. Did he surface with you? No. I never saw him again until the dive was completely over. I was fine. Um, I went back to the boat and uh, told them that I had a problem. And they said, yeah, I saw your tank and all the bubbles and and they put a new tank on, and I went back down. Uh, so, yeah, I, that, that's a crazy story. I mean, I can just Ho imagine. Being Hopefully, on the next dive, you went with a different buddy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, being underwater and being completely encased in bubbles, and you just—I mean, it's almost disorientating not being able to see what's going on. But uh, one interesting thing that I was going to add to that is, for those who have never experienced it, whenever you're, whenever you run out of air underwater, it's not like. It's not like holding your breath where it just kind of, you know, you kind of like, oh, you know, I, I need to breathe or whatever. It's you're breathing, you're breathing, you're breathing. That's it. It Th just stops. It just stops. There's zero air. I remember whenever we were doing dive instruction in the in doing the the practice in the pool, our dive instructor would come across and he would just randomly swim above us and turn our tank off so that you could at least know what that's what that feels like. And you're just mid breath and then whoop, there's nothing there. And so that's. Yeah, I mean, seeing that 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 gauge going down, that air gauge, and and just saying, you know, I got to get to the top. And wh why didn't you just swim to the surface as fast as you could? Could you explain that a little bit? Well, when the deeper that you go, you you go through various different pressure gradients. When you uh, when you're at the surface, you're at at one atmosphere. When you go down 33 feet, that is two atmospheres. So that means that the pressure at 33 feet is double what it is at, uh, at one atmosphere or when you're, when you're out of the water. When you go down to 66 feet, 
that is three atmospheres. So there's three times the pressure than, than it is um, every 33 feet you go down, it increases the uh, pressure by an atmosphere. So if you were to take a, um, um, like a, a, a bottle uh, that has, um, or, or a balloon, say a, a, a balloon, and blow it up when you're 66 feet down, and you were just to kind of come back up, that balloon would explode when you get to the surface because the air expands. Well, essentially, that's your lungs. We're uh, all born with two balloons. We're born with the two balloons, and you take a, a breath of that compressed air at 66 feet. If you just shoot straight to the tops, your lungs explode. Without, without exhaling, that is. Yeah, without exhaling. You keep breathing, and it's nice to have air to breathe. Uh, that's why I was watching my tank. Yeah, and I, I like one thing that you said about the, one of the the good traits of a of a diver that's maybe experienced or or that is getting into it is that you just stay calm, remain calm, think of your training, think of what uh, what you've learned, so that when you hit that ex- that that maybe incident, I mean, it wasn't your fault that the thing blew off. Now maybe yeah, it could have been checked for tightness or whatever else before, but you were able to react in that moment and not just panic, which I think is, is, is really beneficial. So one of the dangers is, is the bends, right? And and with the bends, basically the science of that is that when you're down that low in the water, you're, you're breathing in that air and that oxygen is going into your blood and, and, and nitrogen as well. And you, and it's compressed so small, just kind of like that balloon. But then if you were to go up really quickly without exhaling, the bubbles in your in your blood will actually expand. That air will expand as well, and you could get a bubble, a, a big bubble in your blood, and that could go to your brain and give you a brain aneurysm. And that's basically the bends, right? Right, it, it is. Now, there's different kinds of things, different kinds of sicknesses, and different kinds of, uh, of problems that that you can get. But that uh, is is certainly one. It's probably the most one of the most dangerous to get in an uh, amble uh, uh, a um, Pulmonary embolism. Uh, yeah, an embolism. Yeah, and you get the uh, the bubble, uh, in, and that can go to your brain. It can go pretty much uh, anywhere where that air is expanding and, and coming into your lungs. It can shut off. You might not even be able to breathe when you get to, to the surface. And it can cause rashes and other different kinds of things, uh, too. But you can also have um, nitro, uh, you can have nitrogen toxicity. Uh, and when you're breathing compressed air, you're, you're breathing 80% nitrogen and 20% oxygen. That's typically what we breathe in the, on the surface uh, normally, where it, uh, if you go down too deep or stay too long, a lot of that nitrogen just stays into your system and you can get nit- nitrogen toxicity. That's one of the reasons why you breathe, breathe with nitrox, is because it's 30% oxygen and and uh, and 70% nitrogen, whereas you have less of a chance uh, of getting nitrogen toxicity. What if you did like 50-50? What would that be like? What would be the disadvantage of doing that? Then you can actually get oxygen toxicity. Uh, there is a uh, you, you don't want that uh, either. Uh, it's like hyperventilating, getting too much oxygen in, in your system, you can pass out. 
Do you have any other stories or experiences from from dives that you went on that you'd like to share with us? I would say one other one other time that I went on a dive that I had an issue and it was my fault is I was diving on a sunken ship with a with a buddy of mine and the the ship was just so interesting there was so many fish around it and there were so many passages that we uh, we went through back and forth and up and down and it was deep it was 110 uh, feet or so and it was a large uh, ship and we went through the whole thing and I was watching my gauges pretty good but um, wasn't present time conscious and uh, we came up to the bow of the ship getting ready to uh, uh, to go up and I realized I had about 500 pounds of pressure left in my uh, tank. Now typically you as a safety feature you want to be on the boat uh, at 500 pounds and uh, I was still a hundred feet deep at with 500 pounds. Now he was with me and I could have used his um, uh, his air and he was well aware of the issue that I was having um, but um, um, I just we went up uh, slowly and when you're diving that deep, you always want to do a, a decompression stop at about 15 to 20 uh, feet for, uh, for three minutes. And uh, I did that, uh, and I was watching my gauge, and I was about 15 feet below the surface, and I had like 100 pounds left, 80 and 70 and 60. And, and then uh, I did my three minutes and went to the surface. And when I got to the surface, I was had zero air. Um, that is not what you want. That was a bad dive uh, and uh, a bad decision on my part. It's one of those things you just have to, to be careful with. If someone wants to get into scuba diving, how much is this going to cost them, you know, as far as equipment and uh, dive fees? Do they... Obviously, they need a license. How much does that cost? Can you give us kind of an outlay of what it would cost to get into it? Generally, your classes um, are probably your least expensive things. Um, the classes that you take probably will be, you know, around three hundred dollars to to do your classes and your certifications and um, in your test work and your uh, pool work. After your your classes, then you will go on a certification dive with the um, with your dive master and depends upon where they take you a lot of times living here in North Carolina you can either go to a quarry uh, which is cold and dark and ugly uh, or you can go down to Florida and dive in some of the Clearwater Springs which are, are pretty cool but that's going to cost you a little bit just from a, a standpoint of rental gear and um, and the trip and hotel and that, and that kind of a thing. So it's your normal cost for that. If you want to buy your equipment, uh, you, t you, you will have to buy your mass snorkel and fins right off the top, and you can spend any, any amount of money doing those things. Uh, a mask, good mask, is probably going to run about $100. Uh, some uh, flippers, uh, fins, um, probably about... 50 60 on average and a um, um, you know a snorkel um, 10 or 15 20 20 dollars 
Uh, the biggest uh, cost comes in with your buoyancy control uh, device, which is what you wear uh, and plug your regulator uh, into. Uh, that's, those are expensive. The, uh, your computer uh, that, uh, uh, and your gauges, you can spend anywhere um, from maybe 800 to 1500 easy on, uh, on getting set up with, with gear to go. Yeah, uh, I, I know that you can, you can purchase the gear, but a lot of times from dive shops you can rent the gear as well. And, and, and you know, for maybe a beginning diver that doesn't have everything to set, it, set themselves up to go with. Right, and you can pretty much rent everything that you want to rent for uh, a week or wh- however long your trip is for, you know, a hundred do- couple hundred dollars. Great, great. Well, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing these experiences with us. And I think a lot of people, you know, that might not know anything about diving would be, you know, interested in hearing this and especially some of the cool things and things you like about diving. At the end of our podcast here, we always want to ask our guests a question. Our Brothers Creed podcast really is uh, one of the things that we've done today is experiences and and really explore something that we want to learn more about and hear from others' experiences. We're we're trying to build a a creed. So a a creed is a a set of beliefs or aims that guide uh, someone's actions. Now, we try to do that on this podcast through motivation, exploration, and learning from experiences like scuba diving. So would you be able to briefly maybe share some aspects of your personal creed, whether it has to do with scuba diving or just your life and some, some things and some of those aims that help to control your guide your actions? Well, if you talk about a creed as a set of personal beliefs that guide my life, I would say I, I cannot even begin to, to talk about my creed unless I talk about the foundation uh, of which is my firm belief in Jesus Christ uh, is my Savior. Uh, that being said, uh, yeah, I have a lot of other things to, to say about you know, uh, how I, I think that, you know, that life should be uh, uh, led. Um, I really do think that you know when you do anything in life, either work or play, you need to to go for it. Just don't do it uh, halfway. Um, I've always believed in working hard and uh, and playing hard. I think with uh, with working hard, you need to find something that you like to do. Uh, you need to find something that relieves stress and uh, and tension uh, in your life, and that sort of sharpens your your saw. Uh, because if you do things that you like to do and, and to get, get away from what you normally do uh, for a period of time, it makes you more productive in the normal work that you, uh, that you do. And you'll probably like the normal work that you do if you have a, if you have a getaway. I think that um, having thought about this for a few minutes, and I knew that you guys would, would ask me uh, these kinds of things because that's what the name of the podcast is about, right? Uh, I think you need to take some calculated risk in your life. Don't be foolish by taking too much of a risk or no risk at all. Uh, try new things, uh, even uh, things that you haven't done before. You know, once I went to an opera, I hated it, uh, but I tried it. Okay? Read good books and surround yourself with people and friends that are better than you. Uh, be positive. 
Look for good in everything. If you, do, if you make a mistake, then don't worry about it. Just don't do it again. Uh, I would say be kind to people as you help others. Many will remember uh, and, that you help them and encourage you to achieve what you want to achieve. Be honest and protect your good name uh, and reputation. Rejoice in your achievements, but the moment you are prideful, you're going backwards. Um, I would say, you know, there's there's uh, a man that I uh, that I respect. It's uh, Richard G. Scott. He said one time, "We become what we want to be by constantly being what we want to become each day." Uh, and I I think that is. Uh, sort of the foundation. I could say a lot of other things, but uh, try to become what you want to to be each day, and you'll become that. That's great. Those are some great words of wisdom. Um, many, if not all, of those are part of my career as well. So yeah, and I think um, you know, you being Jared and I's father ha- has helped those teachings throughout our life and help us build our own personal creed. Um, and one of the reasons why we wanted to, to create this podcast was to share that creed with others and, and, and continue to grow and create that, that brotherhood of, of whoever wants to, to build it together with us. One of the great things, uh, great experiences that I had in my life with, with scuba diving is the fact that I loved it so much that I, uh, had each of my gave each of my children, each of my five children, the opportunity to uh, to take courses and to become certified. And each one of them have become certified. And I took a special trip, uh, at least one, uh, with every one of them, uh, and uh, shared the this one love of my life with them. You also shared mom with us too, so that's the second level. Yeah, that, well, I'd say she is my first, but uh, scuba diving's uh, you know a close second. Well, great. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for for sharing your experiences with us, for sharing your your part of your creed with us. We really appreciate it. And make sure to subscribe and look us up on Instagram at a.brothers.creed. All those out there who are interested in in more experiences, please join us on our next podcast and let's build our creed together.